0: On today's episode, I'm joined by two guests, Shadisha Abbey and Grace Andrews. Shadisha spent most of her career in management consulting and HR, and somehow managed to travel to almost thirty countries. Get to know her at Desha underscore Inspired on Instagram, and join her travel collective at underscore Inspired Traveler on Instagram and Facebook to allow your inner traveler to wonder, explore, discover, and awaken through travel education, tips, and curated experiences. Grace, who's been on the show often, is an avid storyteller by birth and a technologist by trade. She's passionate about people and the planet with an undeniable allegiance to native and indigenous peoples and animals. Her first novel, which is soon to be complete, is an ode to the complex and enriching world of native storytelling. Grace is a natural creative and is working on several projects currently. She's a writer, producer, narrative coach, and empath. Check her out on our website at asprinklingofgrace.com to find out more. Now, with introductions like this, you have to be curious. We're talking bad business partnerships, horrible co-founders, and giving you tips to avoid some of the mistakes we've made in collaboration with others. Pull up a chair, friend. Let's get started. Welcome Grace and Shadisha to the show. Thank you guys for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yes. I wanted to have you guys on the show because I think that you have unique experiences regarding business partnerships, co-founders, just interesting work relationships. And I really wanted to get more feedback on this because honestly, I've been feeling like I'm isolated on this island of having this crazy business partnership. But now I'm seeing that other people have experienced this as well. So is bad business partnership the norm these days? What do you guys think?
1: Um, I wouldn't say it's the norm, but I would say just like any sort of human relationship, I think sometimes people go into business partnerships with expectations that don't match up. They don't have the right conversations before they go into the partnership. Just like people, you know, they get into a relation, a romantic relationship, and they didn't realize that their partner was a racist or I don't know, or whatever it is. So I think it's the same thing. People aren't asking the right questions up front. That's interesting. I,
0: I I do think that happens a lot. It's funny because with me personally, I made sure that the agreement was rock solid. It was for a specific amount of time. I had specific responsibilities and the other person had their specific, you know, responsibilities. And I feel like I did everything I needed to do to make this clear agreement. And then it still just went just completely down the toilet. What do you think, Grace?
2: Well, I honestly think that this happens because there is a level of ego attached to creating a business. You have to believe that the idea that you have or that your collective has is so good that you should create something out of it. And so I find, you know, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who, she's in her mid-70s. She's a professional executive coach And she ran companies and nonprofits for 40 years. And she talks a lot about how she spends most of her time talking her clients off of the edge. Mm -hmm. And they're all C suite level. And it just really made me think. And it even prompted me to write the post that I did on my blog, shameless plug, uh, called I'm Not Afraid of What Walks in the Dark. Because I do think that certain personality types, gravitate towards entrepreneurship
1: mm-hmm. that are
2: super volatile
1: mm-hmm. and
2: so what it so what happens is you create this paradigm of the volatile characters who usually this is a broad generalization so i don't want anyone in my dm <laughs> who usually are so confident in what they're building that they have difficulty listening or because they have difficulty listening, they want to build something because they can't stand for someone to tell them what to do. And this Great. is very yes. important, because, because right? Because it really begins to set the tone for how a business goes forward, which is why I think that when you hear a lot of people's co-founder stories or business partnership stories, it is always kind of like that head shaking, fast eye switching, like convulsion reaction, because you're like, dad, you too? I think everybody who's ever tried to build anything, they have either been the villain in the story, or they've been the anti-villain in the story, and maybe they've been the hero, but I think it is kind of the nature of how we have really, as a society, glorified these personality types that create these businesses
1: you are absolutely right and google agrees with you i'm just gonna read a couple headlines here like i just went in put in founders business partners and i'm seeing how to separate from sociopathic co-founder the smart way crazy at the wheel psychopathic ceos are rife in silicon valley she's absolutely a sociopath so i think a lot of people feel this way about whether it's their business partner founders or other individuals they've engaged with, especially early stages in businesses. So Grace, I think you're absolutely right. And Tanisha, to answer your question, it's not just you, but I think it's the obsession with the idea, as Grace was mentioning, that Mm -hmm. can drive people to act in very, very interesting ways. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. So if we're circling around the fact that the root cause is ego, then what are the things that we really need to be looking for? Because I feel like for me, I knew that I was better at the spiritual stuff. I'm also better at closing. I'm better on the back end, on the closing everything up, making sure everything is tight. Whereas my partner, she's more of an, was more of an opener, right? Getting things started, talking to people, extrovert, where I'm a complete introvert. Like, so what are the things that we need to be looking for do you guys think um, to 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 denote that you're going to end up with someone crazy, other than getting, you know, a reading or something like that? Like, how do you, what are the signs that you're going to get into psycholand?
1: Well, I think there are a couple things to think about, <laughs> and some of it. <laughs> land okay. And I, I think I think um, great Grace can um, probably pile on here, but there are a couple of things to think about even before we go go there. So I'm putting on my HR/ slash management consulting hat here. Why is there a need for the business partnership to begin with, right? So like mm-hmm. I think there's some questions to ask before you even get into a business partnership. Are you the one with the idea? And you know that you can't achieve the goal without identifying a partner or are there areas that you feel that you're not as strong so you need someone to fill those gaps. So I think that first and foremost, determining if this even makes sense, if you need a business partnership and if that is the case, identifying what gaps you're like, what gaps you have and then who can fill those gaps. So that gets you your short list initially, and then we ne- need to start thinking about the person's personality type, and if they're even interested in this business, or if they're going to come at it with the same passion that you have. Maybe there's going to be too much passion plus the ego, which will cause a-, a host of other issues, but I think starting there is important, and I know Grace has a host of qualities she probably wants to share that <laughs> you should be thinking about.
2: You know what's so funny? My host of characters on my list is quite short. So what do I mean by that? Well, I actually think that people have to stop looking to fill gaps in skill sets. I know it's provocative. Are y'all coaching pearls? I feel like I, I mean am. That, I feel
0: like I am because I yeah, feel like isn't, but isn't a partner supposed to help you? Like aren't they supposed to bring something to the table that you don't have? Isn't that ideal? Okay, so let me, I'm gonna, since I have engaged in professional
2: shenanigans with both of you, I am going to just use I statements like I love to use and use I, self, as an example. Now, I am not a graphic designer. I know, shock and awe, everyone is surprised. However, I have a keen eye for attractive things. I have a keen eye for spatial design because i've been developing it over the years because i've been creating the visual collateral for all of my projects and side hustles so in my business dealings with both of you something i quote unquote bring to the table are design elements and like decks and just knowing color schemes Being able to identify what colors you would like, what images you would gravitate towards without you having to give me too much instruction. Now, with that in mind, back to what I said originally, I am not a graphic designer, but I'm a hard worker. I love visual art. I do, you know, paint and draw and sketch. And I like to get to know people in a way that allows for me to identify how they would see beauty. So it's not my job, nor is it even my skill set, but I can do the work in a very beyond competent manner because I enjoy it and I can be very good at it. So that's what I mean by instead of looking to fill the gap, because when you fill the gap, you have to take whatever candidates you have. And back to what you were saying from that HR perspective, and actually what you say all the time about sole purpose, Tanisha, Sometimes you're not doing the work your spirit is supposed to be doing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And if people were forming teams based on what the spirit was supposed to be doing, it wouldn't be about the skill set you come to the table with. It would be about the skill set that the universe has determined you need to be working in. And I think a lot of us don't go there first. Even those of us who have a tendency of living in that kind of spiritual, Awareness, spiritual flexibility, space, and so when I, when people tell me they're looking for founders, co-founders, team members, whatever, I always say, well, what kind of energy match are you? Because they come at me with, they got a degree from here and they're certified to do. Because you can get any degree, you can get any certification. Anybody can, anybody, anybody, anybody. And if you enjoy it, even better. Because then you'll like getting that degree for it, or you'll enjoy getting that certification. Anybody can do anything. Anybody can do anything. I say that all the time and people are, you know, upset because I may feel like I'm dismissing their life's work and I'm not. I'm just saying that we live in a world where you have resources. If you can get resources, you have access to a lot of knowledge and learning. And with that in mind, it becomes a question of, is your natural spiritual orientation or personality of the way that you're going to pursue that knowledge? Are you going to show up in kindness? So, I actually start with the character traits before I ever really look at the work traits because we can always contract out, we can always hire interns for. But if you are a terrible person or you have the the makings of a sociopath, nah, bruh, there is nothing we can do to work within that construct. You got to go get help and go get another job.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting. I do think that you bring up a good point. I mean, how you're going to show up in energy is very important, but I couldn't help but to be drawn in my mind to um, soul connection and soul purpose. And sometimes it's part of our purpose to help others that are unkind and that are problematic. And so when you do that, how do you begin to um how do you begin to resolve the conflicts long enough to be there in purpose and to fulfill that purpose so that it can end meaningfully for whoever it's supposed to what do you think
2: yikes uh,
1: <laughs> That's this is a great one. question yeah it is a great question um I will say, Tanisha, my thought on that and kind of going back to what Grace said. Like, I, I, I just wanna say, you don't always need a business partner. That is like what I was trying to get at in terms of like what I was sharing and saying, like you need to think about like, why, do you, why is this relationship important? So that's the first thing. And yeah, of course people come into our lives for different reasons, but I, I would ask, I don't know if you get into a business partnership even if there's some sort of soul connection to help that person on their journey. I don't know if that's the thinking, or maybe that is not necessarily the thinking, but you realize that that's the purpose along the way. And I, I, I wonder, because I mean, that's like two purposes. So it's to help this person on their journey. If you're going into it from that perspective and to launch this business, I feel like not that they're conflicting, they may complement each other, but I don't know if that is the perspective you go in with or if that is something you just identify once the partnership starts.
0: Yeah. I I know that for me. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just thinking that I think sometimes it's both. I think it can be both things because Sometimes we go in with full awareness that we don't want to necessarily do a specific thing or we don't necessarily want to work with a specific person, but we all have soul urges to do things. And sometimes it, it masks itself as feeling bad for them and really this strong desire to help them or feeling guilty or or these other emotions. But I think we have some awareness that we are to help and this is something that we can't look away from. Right. What do you think, Grace? What were you going to say?
2: That's exactly what I was going to say. I know that for me, And not just in business, in life. I think something that I once told my therapist that really piqued her interest and something that I've told Shadisha that it really piqued her interest is that when I first meet someone, this is an element of my, I guess, spiritual skill set. And it has been since I was a little kid. When I first meet someone, I know how we're going to end even if I don't know the exact ending, I know the emotions that are going to take us to the end. I just don't say it out loud, right? Because, well, no need. We're on a journey. Let's be on our path together. And then let's diverge in the woods when we need to, right? So I actually think it's it's both. And I understand, and you know, when I was younger, that made me very sad. But as I've grown in human years what that's allowed me to see is what you're saying about how there are people who have a role in our life and whose lives we have a role in as well and it's to learn and to teach and to receive those lessons and to then evolve right Mm -hmm. and with that as the understanding I do think that sometimes we engage in business relationships in much of the same way but we are able to articulate it it's an idea we've got to get on board with it's a business plan that you just can't say no to. But it's like you can say no to any idea or business plan. I don't care who you are and what it is, right? But there is that pull to, to I think, complete our cycles, whatever our cycles may be. And I think that that's why I'm always dumbfounded by how scatterbrained, emotionally unclear And self-unaware, a lot of business people are, because these are the fundamental cornerstones to being able to recognize when that business relationship and when that entity is complete and when it's time to move on. And so it's both, but people don't have the correct, I would even say, like, articulation of the scenario in order to read the room. So they get stuck in a place where they should have, you know, left. I'll use myself for an example. I've had business entanglements where I should have left a year or two before I did, or six months before I did. And Shadisha can attest to this. There would be a day where I would wake up and I would say it's over. Shereesha, do you remember? Like I woke up and was like, it's it's done. And and I'll do that. And I've done that in a few, you know, in a few cycles of my work life. And I've always stayed six to 12 months beyond done. But had I left when it was done, the relationships would still be intact. I don't know who needs to hear this message today, but let me repeat what I just said. I stay beyond done. And that is when I think we start to run into the problems that become these huge ish, personal issues that start to sprout up between co-founders, business partners, collaborators, because a lot of us hear that voice, but we are staying past done. And that completely terminates any future possibility of expansion for that person, yourself, and your work together.
1: And Grace, I'm happy you brought that up. And I really want Tanisha to talk about this. Um, I guess I have a question for her based on that. The staying past done versus completing your cycle. I think for some people, there may be a conflict there and they may not be able to see that. And I think that's where the emotional clarity comes in once again because am I still doing the good? Am I still sticking around for that transformation that needs to happen for both of us? Or am I at the point where I'm staying past done? And how, how does one know that from a spiritual perspective? So just wanted to throw that to Tanisha.
0: Yeah, I think this goes back to what we talked about in navigating evolving relationships and what are the universal cues of release. And I think that we do get a lot of clarity around when we're feeling discomfort. Sometimes discomfort can be a sign of release. Sometimes we feel resolved. Sometimes we're feeling empowered. There are different things that signify when it's time for you to move on. I think for me, I my cue for release was that I couldn't live another day in chaos, because chaos doesn't work for me. I'm, I'm a very naturally grounded person and I can always get to the solution and circling around problems, never getting to a final point on anything was just not a way that I was willing to continue to live. I think um, also, when things happen for a considerable amount of time, you know, Grace was rec- referencing, you know, six months a year, like when you've been in something for that period of time, you you grow in that period too. Like we're not always staying stagnant. And when you're identifying people or working with people that are very stagnant um, and unwilling to move forward, it becomes this thing that you just can't be a part of anymore. And and for me, I think I had the awareness that it was over before I actually made that move. Sometimes we just need to make plans. We need to plan our um, next move, our next step. We need to be more connected to our next step before we are able to really pull the trigger on things. So I think there are a number of different things that um, go into the process of release. Sometimes it is a matter of getting that emotional clarity on release, too. And I think people, business partners, and co founders, and just organizations in general, don't put as much stock in emotional clarity as they should. I mean, when you go into partnership, you're dealing with a personality, you're dealing with a ball of energy literally 24 7. It becomes your all of your waking life, like work consumes most of our waking life. And so why aren't we more invested in figuring out how we feel about ourselves first, where we are in ourselves first, what our weaknesses, what our deficiencies are first before we are so willing to merge with another who we may not know enough about who we um, need to understand what their work style is. And all of that is connected to our emotions. And I feel like that 14 day process that I offer of emotional clarity is so important because you bring this one problem that you have and you explore it through 14 different emotions and you can't help, but to come to some sort of resolution within yourself again, Um, and to to inform how you will move forward. And I know Grace has been through the process. Can you speak to that a little bit, Grace, how it showed up for you?
2: Absolutely. Well, you know what I think is really interesting is I, that was one of the first activities, group sessions I did. And I remember when I told my friends, I was like, oh, I'm going to do this 14-day emotional boot camp. And they were like,
0: oh, okay. I mean, that's exciting.
2: And people were concerned. I know you're not talking about me,
1: Grace. <laughs> I know you're not talking about me, because I was like, that sounds great. I thought it sounded great. No, I just thought I'm it sounded talking. time-consuming. I'm just checking. Okay, just making sure. Because I was supportive. I'm just putting that out there for the world to know. Oh
0: thank God. you. For, Do we need emotional for, clarity, for letting,
1: friends? Do we need emotional clarity? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, th- thank you for letting the world know, for the record, she was supportive, okay? I was not talking about you, ma'am, <laughs> uh, but other, other folks were like, oh, that's a long time, or it's early in the morning, and I think that what's interesting about it is 14 days to clarity, A, is not that long, because hopefully we've all lived longer existences than that, and B, it goes to show you the level of ritual and work it takes to begin to unpack the feelings you've had for a long time. I think what was really interesting for me doing the emotional clarity is folks who know me, I show like three emotions really well. One of them is humor. I know that's not an emotion, but I'm throwing that out there. Another one is sass. I know that's not an emotion, but I'm throwing that one out there. And then I'm usually just kind of like optimistic, realistic and a doer. Those are also not emotions, but those are the emotions I show. I don't necessarily do emotionality, like that's not my personal ministry to be a highly emotional person. And going in, I really thought, well, maybe this is a great way to give words to some of my natural stoic and like hyper empathetic posturing that I take in a lot of my relationships. And what was so, for me, eye-opening is I found that there were some places that were far deeper than i anticipated emotionally like i thought oh anger will be deep i'm a fire sign i used to have you know i used to be more reactionary than i am now so I was like okay anger is going to be one of the emotions that a lot of stuff comes up but i realized that there were more emotions for me coming up in places around regret and sorrow Mm
1: -hmm.
2: you know and and i wouldn't say i'm a regretful person i wouldn't say that I'm one of those people I try to live life fully and abundantly like every day because you're not promised the next. And yet I found I was sitting in a place of a lot of low vibrational emotions and energies. Right. So I think what's really important is the self-awareness I spoke of earlier. Even the most self-aware person needs a framework for developing more awareness. Mm -hmm. I have never heard anyone say I am too emotionally aware. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, show me that person. Show me that person who's so enlightened. They're like, I'm too enlightened. You know, I've transcended far too high. Like, nobody says that because we're always growing. And I think that, that's, for me, that was a reminder of that, that I'm still in the struggle and not even struggle. Let me use a different word. I'm still on the journey of my own evolution. And it is fundamental that I give myself the tools in order to be in the place at the time for the thing, whatever the thing may be. And a lot of times the things are the blessings, but you can't see the blessing if you still walking through the mud. And so that really opened up, I think, my perspective on how clarity is always the predecessor always for growth you cannot grow if you are not clear and whatever growth you did while unclear ain't worth sleep because it's not gonna take you anywhere
0: I think that's so true and I think that is why number one declutter the mind starts on day one with emotional clarity it all begins with emotional clarity But with everything that you said, I think that people don't give enough credit to emotional clarity, for one, because they're so fearful that digging into all of those emotions is going to overwhelm them and they're going to become a complete mess after a challenge like that versus getting supported action and guidance through the process every step of the way and so there's so much pushback on delving into emotions and also people are just very fearful of being vulnerable around other people period but we're closed off with ourselves because we're burying our emotions often and we aren't sharing enough about how we're really feeling to the people that we're venting to or the people that we're trauma bonding with because we only want to be validated and you can't be validated if you are wrong or you know if if something that you've done is is not the right thing and you're going to say something that's going to get opposition for the action that you have taken so um, i definitely think that what you said is absolutely, absolutely true. But I'm wondering, um, how is the conflict to be resolved with, with founders, uh, co-founders, business partners? How do we solve that? Is, is therapy the answer? Because that was something that was presented to me. Is, is therapy, traditional therapy, uh, an option here?
1: Um, I would say traditional therapy with your business partner or co-founder. That is, that is really interesting. And I, I don't necessarily want to say it's, it's, it's a bad idea, but I would almost feel like some sort of coaching might even be better because when I think about therapy, you may be addressing personal issues as well. And obviously personal issues absolutely show up in a business partnership, Mm -hmm. but is a therapist also equipped to help both parties get to a place of emotional clarity in a way that it's going to help the business move forward as well? Because we are talking about a business relationship here. So Mm -hmm. I think both parties need to feel good about themselves and be in a place of emotional clarity, but there's also the element of bringing that to the business. And I'm not sure if a traditional therapist there might be one out there that is equipped to do all of this, but I would not think a traditional therapist would be able to get business partners, co-founders to that place.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm inclined to agree. I'm definitely inclined to agree on that. What would you uh, say, Grace, about traditional therapy versus emotional clarity, intuitive coaching, or some other type of, of coaching or coaching?
2: I think some sort of maybe, I hate the term, not hate, I don't like the term non-traditional because it makes it sound like whatever we were doing currently was supposed to be the tradition. But if we look at how in past movements and moments in time, in other cultures, whenever you have a disagreement, especially between business, you know, colleagues or business partners, you go to the elders, right you mm-hmm. go to someone who can listen to you who can see through you and beyond you right mm-hmm. and so i'm going to you know i'm going to sprinkle in that you know hashtag native perspective and i think that that is what makes a quote unquote non traditional modality so important because you go to a maybe a more traditional therapist and they might be unpacking in a framework you know, a psychological framework that the association of, you know, psychotherapists and whomever agreed to, but that may not be what your business needs. And, and the, and I mean, I go, I see a therapist, love her dearly. Shout out to my therapist if she's listening to this, but sometimes that process, in my opinion, takes too long because then you have to build a, a, a level of trust with that therapist in order to then unveil yourself fully it really helps if somebody can just cut through the noise and be like, listen, I see you, this is what I see. We need to get through this. And that's why I think a more spiritually based assessment, a more energy focused framework is impactful because it goes to what I said earlier about people picking their business colleagues based on energy as opposed to based on skills and gas in their own. I feel the same way about how you fix the problem. You have to then go to the energy source, the soul source, and you have to root that out. And I think a a lot of times the problem that people have with business associates isn't what I would constitute as um, accessible work. So what I mean by that is very rarely is it kind of uh, a thing where you can just get some career coaching and then it's okay. Like, I need it to know how to be organized. Yeah, sometimes people are not organized, any coaching on how to be organized. But if you are just a disheveled person in your soul, <laughs> if you are unorganized and messy inside your heart, there is no framework a career coach is going to give you to give you organization because right. they are coming at it in, in this tangible world. They're not moving through the spirit. And so, I know some people are listening and they're like, this is getting out of pocket. I don't know what's happening here. But my parents, I watched them for many years. They still do counsel people in the way that you coach folks through emotional clarity and using intuition and hyper empathetic psychic skills. They did very similar work. And what I saw is when people would come to my parents for advice on work, on business, not personal matters, they always cut right through to the emotion of it, Mm -hmm. to the spirit of it. They always spoke to that place first. And people would say, well, but I'm here to ask you about my colleague, Bob, that I can't get along with. And my parents would be like, well, what inside of yourself is at a place of opposition with Bob? What is in Bob's spirit? What is in your spirit? What comes up when you think of Bob? Who does Bob remind you of? that you, right, so they were going down this road, and people were sometimes not happy to walk it with them, but it was always effective, it is always impactful, you might see a therapist for three years, and feel like you've not done any emotional work, but I can guarantee no one's going to have one conversation with you, and not feel like they've done emotional work, right, can I get an amen from the chorus, can somebody, can somebody give me, can somebody prop me up real quick,
1: so I think that
2: that's what's like, thank you, thank you, and I think that that's the biggest difference, is Mm -hmm. People are really trying to approach deep problems with basic modalities. No disrespect to those modalities, because I think that they're very important. They're very important. So people should be seeing therapists. People should be seeing counselors. You should absolutely be getting that kind of mental support and mental care. Everybody, I don't care who you are, what problems you think you do or do not have. With that being said, if we're talking about how to get right, get straight with your business, Especially because sometimes and most of the time, maybe these people are not going to be your romantic partners or folks who you would have sought out as like close, deep, personal friends. You sometimes have to go deep quick because you don't even have the rapport it would take between yourselves to use a more traditional framework to get somewhere effectively. So that's. I could talk about that all day. I could talk about that all day. It is. It's. It's,
0: it's. loaded, right? I feel like it's got me thinking of so many other things to talk about. But I think we have we have the main point here, um, in that there are so many. It's just so many variables when you think about working with a business partner, and when you think about um, mm-hmm. co-founders. And I think that because of that in itself we should not limit ourselves and how we seek resolution uh, to conflict and how we approach getting to a more peaceful stance with ourselves but i really want to get into some pop culture tea because as we were preparing for this episode i see things happening with okay africa and with essence and it seems like it's a very public unraveling of these uh, CEOs that have created these toxic work environments. And I've often felt since my very first intuitive in residence post that it's not always the CEO that has the most vision um, and has the most clarity for the business. What do you guys think as we see these very Um, prominent people in Black communities just getting, I don't know, bulldozed with all of these allegations. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on that, and um, yes, someone can be a sole proprietor in a company of one, and that can totally exist depending on what the business is, but I think For a CEO or a founder, the reason they have other folks sometimes is to rein them in. A lot of times CEOs or founders are visionaries and they have amazing ideas, but can you execute on 50 million things? Probably not. And that's why you have a team around you that can shape that, streamline that and finesse it and make it great for the market, great for your customers and all of that. So I would say that is the point of having a team. So when you get to a place where... The CEO is not listening to the team or the CEO is going off the rails. That is something I think everyone should pay very close attention to wherever Mm -hmm. they work, whether they're a founder, co-founder, or just someone at the company, Mm -hmm. because the CEO, there are other people there to keep folks in check. That is the entire point of having a CEO or founder plus co-founders or other people supporting that. And I want to go back to something you said earlier, Tanisha, because obviously, I know everyone listening they may be at different places in their journey and um, i just kind of want to bring it back to something you said when you're feeling emotions of chaos or stagnation it's time to start looking at your business partnership looking at your ceo looking at the work environment you have because i think as much as like we may not be far in our spiritual journey we are human beings living in a particular existence And you may just meet someone and have that feeling. And you know that feeling is not great, but that job is paying you $200,000 a year. And Mm -hmm. it's this great company and it's all this stuff. And you may go for it and then you get there and then you start feeling the chaos. Mm -hmm. You start feeling the stagnation because that voice inside that you just can't describe was telling you that something was off here about this person or about this situation. Mm -hmm. And I can't say that that's necessarily the case for every person where, you know, related to these allegations, if they felt that or they didn't feel that. But I think it's important for us to pay attention to those things because they come up for a lot of us and we tend to ignore them because going back to just the way we do things like traditionally, this job is paying a lot. It's in the right industry. Why not take it? But what are some other things you should consider before signing on the dotted line?
0: Right. All very important, uh, facts. What are your top three tips, Grace, for people considering uh, business partnership, co-foundership, especially in the time of Corona?
2: Absolutely. What a great question would say that for me, the advice that I always like to give is one that actually my sister-in-law's grandma gave her about marriage. And I use this as the backdrop because I think that people need to realize that when you, your work life is a lot of your life. So the people you work with are going to take up a lot of space in your life. And the, the, you know, the, the story for it goes, if you had to experience the worst day ever, or this person's worst characteristic every day for 75% of the time together, would you still want to be with them? So I say use that prompt for your work. Because if you would not want to spend 75% of your time with this person when they are in their quote-unquote worst mood and worst space, then you should really reconsider involving your time, your energy, and your money in any endeavor with someone that their worst emotions are not ones you feel like you can manage or deal. That's number one off the top. Very important. Number two is... Set clear expectations and have clear boundaries. I think that we don't set ourselves up for success. So even if you say, like a great example is at my work, I you know, work in a traditional uh, sort of company and also do a million and 10 things outside of that company that I'm passionate about. But I have one-on-one check-ins with my manager and we have them every week or every two weeks. And then we have these like career check-ins every quarter. And then we have our big annual review. And even though sometimes I grumble about how time-consuming it can be to prepare for some of these meetings, it's really great because it it cements the framework for communication. And I think a lot of co-founders and a lot of business partners don't establish this for themselves, even if they do this for their employees. So I think you've got to have a cadence of communication that you feel obligated to prepare for, show up for, and be honest about. And then the third thing that I would advise is don't build or create or make anything that you're not having fun doing. If you're going to leave the confines of traditional nine to five work to go and be miserable somewhere else, you are wasting your time. And you have really got to believe in what you're building. A lot of people are fascinated with the title of entrepreneur or they want to be a startup founder. You know what a startup is? A business. You know what an entrepreneur is? A business person. So it's been branded to be real sexy, but it's not sexy all the time. A lot of the time, it's sad, it's lonely, it's impoverishing, and it's.
1: Say that again. Say that last part again. That's very impoverishing.
2: Okay. So many people. So many people are attached to this belief that there is this level of success and freedom to achieve when you work for yourself. It's still a job. I'm not saying it's not satisfying or fulfilling, but when you remove the safety net of somebody else paying you a check for the work you do on their behalf, you got to be convicted And I see a lot of people out here, I'm not calling out no names because it's none of my business, but there's a lot of people out here who are not convicted in the work that they do. What they are is addicted to the power and the fame and the ego that is fed by the title of entrepreneur and founder. And I'm going to just leave it right there.
0: Well, I think that that is, that is a good place. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, this was this was really great. I think that this really gives people some color to what happens in these types of situations. And I feel like if you are on the cusp of considering a co-founder, struggling with a co-founder or business partner, um, you do have to stop and pause and really consider why you're doing this what you expect to gain from this but as you consider that person and as you consider yourself i want you to think about a few things that the emotionally immature struggle with um, as our final thought for today and those things are forgiveness connection accepting life's lessons spiritual practice and consciously seeking the positive And in utilizing spiritual guidance for a full body transformation, the idea of shifting from one emotional environment or emotional state of being is common. And the balancing of these shifts is a process because moving energetically and continuously over time results in overall change. Change the energy and change the person. Hang on to that, friends, as you are considering the next stages of your journey. And until next time talk soon. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. My hope is that you always consider me a resource for spiritual wisdom and all things soul level. Allow me to offer you some action steps that you can take right now to either start or deepen your own spiritual connection. Connect me to a friend or coworker or relative of yours that needs to hear this episode now. Send it over to them, even if you've already told them all about how intuitive guidance can help and they haven't made their move yet. You can follow me at underscore life of an empath underscore on Instagram and then send me a DM so that we can schedule some phone time for you ASAP so you can start a deeper journey for yourself. Or reach out to me and let me know you want to start the process of supporting the journey of another that wouldn't have access otherwise. You can schedule your initial consult by going to my website at lifeofanempath.com. Email me at Tanisha at lifeofanempath.com and let me know that you'd love for me to share insights like you've heard on the podcast at your organization, or you would like to explore the possibilities of scheduling ongoing group facilitated emotional clarity or declutter the mind sessions for your team as we move forward toward alignment as a global community. I can't wait to connect with you.